Hi, I'm Ashley Cooley, a birth baby and sleep educator and mom of three. Ever notice how much information there is out there and what's best for your baby? Trying to sort through it all might leave you feeling overwhelmed and frustrated to say the least. This show is dedicated to helping you clear out the noise so you can figure out what will work best for your baby and your family. No more outdated or unsolicited advice. We're here to break down what it takes to raise well-adjusted, securely attached, and happy babies. Having worked with countless families over the years, including my own, the information and strategies I'll share are based on these experiences, my extensive training, and we're even going to back it all up with some science. We all want what's best for our children. Our decisions regarding their care and upbringing reflect that. I'm not here to judge you on the decisions you make, but I am here to help you make those decisions informed ones. We are here to share information and give practical tips to help you get through baby's first year and beyond. If you're looking to learn more about your baby, gain more confidence in your parenting, and get as much sleep as you can through it all, you've come to the right place. Bringing up baby is about to get a little easier. I think you're going to like this one. It's important, it can be really simple, and what we're about to talk about will probably squash a lot of myths floating around out there, and I can't wait to dive in. So, let's get to it. Today we're talking about attachment. Attachment is the relationship your baby has with you. There is an ever-growing body of research that tells us this is the really important part about parenting. As explained by attachment theory, this relationship that we cultivate with our children during their first years of life plays a key role in how they develop socially and emotionally, even how they experience their own relationships as adults. Attachment has to do with how our babies feel connected and secure. Research tells us that children actually need to have this type of attachment with at least one person in their life in order for quote-unquote normal social and emotional development. That's not to say that they can't have a positive relationship with more than one person because they absolutely can. But they do need at least one. This relationship, or attachment, is how we as parents and caregivers become a secure base for our babies so that they feel comfortable putting themselves out there into the world and are ready to explore. While like just about anything else in life, there's almost always more than one factor at play when it comes to what influences us as we mature. But studies have actually identified different types of attachment that relate back to how we were parented. One such study was called the Strange Situation Procedure, developed by psychologist Mary Ainsworth. In this study, babies were between 12 to 18 months of age and were basically in a playroom with toys and in various situations with either their primary caregiver, a researcher, or both. Whether the primary caregiver was in the room or not, babies were shown to have different kinds of reactions and researchers were able to associate these responses, or lack thereof, with the type of attachment they experienced with their primary caregivers which in this experiment was actually largely mothers. Basically what was discovered is that babies were found to have either secure attachment or insecure attachment. And going one step further, those with insecure attachment were found to have either one of three types, avoidant, anxious, or disorganized. These types of insecure attachment come from caregivers who don't respond sensitively, are emotionally unavailable, or are largely unresponsive. Babies and children can feel insecurely attached if, for example, parents are inconsistent in their behaviors or by not picking them up and tending to their baby when he or she is crying in an effort not to quote-unquote spoil them, which is not possible by the way. Ultimately, when babies have secure attachment, they grow to learn and explore their surroundings, wanting to do more and more things on their own. 
but all the while, what actually gives them the confidence to go out and explore is the knowing that they can always reconnect and recharge with you if they need to. That if you leave, they may be upset, but they know you're going to come back, which allows them to calm quickly and get back to playing. You are home base, the safety net that allows them to go after all the opportunities presented to them. Now, I think it's important to clarify that when we're talking about attachment, we're not talking about attachment parenting, which is actually a style of parenting that many families follow both with and without intention. But the term attachment parenting was first coined by Dr. William Sears as sort of the way to parent children in order to be able to achieve secure attachment. Unfortunately, this term, attachment parenting, has gotten a bad rep because of some of its guiding principles and for kind of being absurdly demanding on parents. Some principles involve basically not really ever being able to put your baby down, and musts are to exclusively breastfeed, co-sleep, and be totally 100% baby-centered care. Now, I actually appreciate where all this is coming from, and I agree that these things do cultivate secure attachment, but there just isn't any evidence to suggest that all of these practices must be followed in order for us to achieve secure attachment with our little ones. For anyone who may consider themselves an attachment parent or practices attachment parenting, I think it's absolutely fantastic if it works for them. But luckily, sensitive and responsive parenting is not a one-size-fits-all approach. There is no way that this one way to parent is the only way for babies to have secure attachment. Because if that were the case, then anyone who has ever fed their baby from a bottle or practices what safe sleep recommendations are here in North America, which is to ideally have babies near you, but still in their own sleeping space for safety purposes, that those babies would be incapable of secure attachment with that caregiver. And research tells us that this just isn't the case. So now that we know about the different types of attachment and ultimately that we want to create and foster secure attachment with our babies, how can we do this? Basically, this all comes down to you as the parent being sensitive to your baby's needs and responding promptly with love. Notice I didn't say respond immediately, You can be prompt and efficient without being helicopterish. Now, you would definitely want to go to your baby immediately if they were hurt or needed medical attention, of course, 100%. You would also never want to leave your baby unattended unless they were, say, sleeping safely in their crib or something like that. So in all that we're saying here, we understand that we're being attentive and we're not talking about any extenuating circumstances. So say, for instance, you dared to take a moment for yourself in the daytime, maybe to use the bathroom or drink some water. Or maybe just to eat that brownie you've been reaching for since being stuck on the couch for the last 45 minutes with a sleeping baby. (laughs) Okay, so when you take these breaks, are you being a bad parent? Are you going to cause harm to that secure attachment that you've been cultivating just because you're not sitting right there doing all of the things? No, hell no. When we're talking about being responsive and caring, it doesn't have to be this instantaneous reaction. Again, unless they're hurt or require medical attention in some way. But in fact, stepping back for just mere seconds can sometimes make all the difference. And how about when it comes to tending to your baby overnight? Well, the French actually have a term for this. They call it la pose. Let me explain. So you know how babies can be kind of noisy sleepers? Newborns or infants especially can make lots of sounds while they're still technically sleeping, but lots of older babies do this as well, where they may cry out briefly or you might hear some whining or chatter through the night, but they're still sleeping. Many babies make noises similar to them being awake, but when they're actually in a light state of sleep. In these cases, jumping up to get them right away might actually be waking them up or impeding their work on staying asleep or getting back into another sleep cycle. So it can sometimes be surprising that, say, a quick trip to the bathroom before you plan to go into their room 
or laying still in bed as you wait and see if they'll wake more fully might actually have them quieting again shortly thereafter and are back into a deeper sleep. Before I learned about the French term, when I would do this, I actually used to call it lazy parenting, referring to myself only, but because I would just be so tired that at times I just didn't feel physically capable of peeling myself up out of bed again. But taking pause when your baby wakes in the night is totally fine to do. If they are growing well for them and are otherwise healthy or don't have any concerns that require more support overnight, then why not? This pause could just be you taking a few slow deep breaths to wake yourself up before you tend to your baby, or maybe it's waiting a very small amount of time, or more if you're cool with it and baby is of a certain age, to see what happens. Sometimes we think we have to get up right away and not let any noise come from baby or else secure attachment will not be reached. This idea is completely unfounded and very many children have secure attachment without this immediacy in their care. So now you know that all it really takes to create and foster secure attachment with your baby is to be attentive, whereas you're responding to your baby's needs in a loving way. But how do we know what their needs are? Well, we often hear about how babies cry to communicate with us, and this is absolutely true. Crying is your baby's way of telling you that something inside of them has changed or is changing. They're feeling a different feeling. It's something they're not used to, and their cries are basically saying, help me with this. While this is 100% true, babies actually have lots of other ways that they communicate with us, and usually these signs or cues come before any fussiness or crying show up. So not only will learning your baby's cues be key to developing and fostering secure attachment, but it's also very helpful in terms of raising happier, well-adjusted babies. So what are these cues? Babies can tell us whether they're hungry, sleepy, engaged, or disengaged. And here are some of the ways that your baby might cue one of these to you. Signs your baby is engaged, meaning they're ready to play, learn, just interact with you. They're looking at you. You're noticing excitement when they see certain people or toys, perhaps. They're smiling, cooing, general baby chatter, or just reaching out their arms, having open arms out towards you. Ways your baby's telling you they're disengaged or otherwise no longer interested in what they're doing and you need to change things up. Their hands can come up around their face or head. They're turning away or pushing away you or something in front of them. They're frowning and just kind of general fussiness. Your baby also has ways to tell you that they're hungry or full. So hungry babies will turn towards your body with their mouth open or bob their head when you hold them. That's their rooting reflex. Lip smacking, licking lips, putting their fingers or fists in their mouths, or just their hands being around their mouths with tension in their arms. When babies are satiated from their feeding, their arms will relax and they'll be nice and sleepy or otherwise content. When they're cueing to end the feeding, they'll close their mouths and turn their head away or push away from you or the bottle. And your baby also has some sleep cues. They could be yawning, rubbing their eyes, zoning out, or actually pulling their ears or having their hands kind of around their ears. These can sometimes be subtle, so don't worry if you don't happen to see all the cues all the time. We're just looking for being attentive and, and being able to read your baby. And often the times, the more time we spend with our babies, the better we get at reading them. So the other thing besides learning and responding to your baby's cues that can really help your ability to foster secure attachment is support. Ideally, there would be a relatively supportive environment in which for all of this to take place. Because much like anything in life, we can't be expected to reach our full potential if the environment or messages or people we're surrounded with are counterproductive to our parenting or just us being able to meet our baby's basic needs. So this shows up when telling a new mother who feels strongly about her choice to breastfeed her baby is being told that formula will help her baby sleep better or that you're spoiling your baby because you respond to their every cry or you allow them to sleep in your arms. 
These are just a few of many, many examples when a lack of support can impact a family's beliefs and intuition, which is usually that they want to go to their baby when they're in distress and are indicating in some way that they need you. Babies are smart and learn fast, but there's no way on earth that they're tricking you or that these universal baby cues are just coincidence. So let's ensure secure attachment is happening by responding to our baby's cues and needs and doing so in a loving way and hopefully with support. If there's anyone in your life that may not be supportive or needs a little update on some messaging, you might kindly inform them of what current recommendations and research tells us, or just kindly thank them for their tips and ultimately you do you. Alternatively, you could always direct them my way and maybe they'll catch it on this podcast. So now that we've covered what it takes to develop and foster secure attachment, let's explore just a couple of myths about attachment because there are a few out there that may have already caught your attention. This one gets a lot of airtime, how we primarily feed our babies. Breastfeeding has a lot of benefits for sure. In fact, breastfeeding moms also get this shot of oxytocin, this love or cuddle hormone while feeding their little ones that plays a big role in bonding. But if a mom is not able to breastfeed for some reason or has just chosen not to, her ability to bond and foster secure attachment with her baby is still very much intact. The baby still needs to be held to be fed, and there are tons of ways to connect and communicate with baby while feeding them from a bottle if necessary. While feeding your baby is a great way to bond with them, it's not the only way. So good news for all the supportive partners out there to moms who are breastfeeding, because you're not missing out on not being able to feed your baby. In fact, other very helpful ways that you can create and foster secure attachment with baby is by bathing and changing them. The bathtub and chain station are fantastic places to connect and communicate with your baby. Honestly, every interaction you have with baby is an opportunity to connect, bond, and foster that secure attachment. Engage with them when they're ready for it, feed them, and help them get their sleep when they need it. So speaking of sleep, another common myth out there is that you can't have proper secure attachment with baby while also sleep training. Big fat false, everybody. Isn't that great to hear? Not to say that everyone is or should be sleep training their baby, but for those that have or may in the future, isn't it great to know that there isn't any science to back up this claim? But you might have heard otherwise that sleep training isn't appropriate or that it causes some type of insecure attachment, but this simply isn't the case. How do we know this? Well, one way was by retesting older toddlers a year after they were tested with the strange situation experiment. There was zero change in their secure attachment with their caregiver after going through respectful sleep training. And that's the only kind of sleep training there really ever should be, if you ask me. Respectful of baby's needs, but also of the parents. To help you understand this a little bit, I want to tell you about what the vast majorities of the families that I work with, what scenarios they're in, and what their general situations are, because they generally experience at least one or sometimes all of these. They might see that their baby is really tired during the day as a result of inconsistent or unconsolidated night sleep, and the baby exhibits lots of general fussy behavior and might have difficulty falling asleep as well. Both baby and the parents could be chronically sleep deprived, and it's actually affecting their ability to function as well and capable human beings during the day. They also could be preparing for an upcoming change, perhaps another baby, going back to work, transitioning to a daycare environment, whatever it may be, and they see that their baby could use better sleep as well as themselves to feel more prepared for the upcoming changes. It's not selfish to think of yourself and to have your own needs that need to be met as well as babies. If you're at the point of complete exhaustion, sometimes that alone can have an impact and affect how we're able to have attachment and bond with our babies during the day. 
Anyway, this isn't really meant to be about whether or not to sleep train your baby, but for those families that do or who happen to want support and guidance along for the ride, that's where I come in as a sleep consultant. Sleep is essential for survival and well-being, but it is most certainly a skill that takes time, practice, and needs to be learned in some way. Every baby is different, and therefore they all learn differently. Some seem to find a way with sleep with a lot of ease, while others might find it more challenging, and this can be for a myriad of reasons. But you are 100% still fostering secure attachment with your baby when day in and day out you're with your baby, engaging with them, feeding them when they're hungry, keeping them comfortable, and maybe even a little clean once in a while. You're not throwing baby in a strange environment and then leaving. Baby's in a stable environment. You can be involved in many different ways to help your baby learn some sleep skills. And you're also there when they wake up to feed them and care for them and love them all day, every day. You're tending to all of their needs, even their sleep needs. Making sure that getting the rest they need, however you see fit as their parent, that is love and that will help foster secure attachment. But sleep training should be respectful in that you are not expecting your baby to do something they're not capable of or isn't appropriate for their age or development. Again, this is sometimes where a sleep consultant like myself comes in and helps to ensure the family is going about these changes in a respectful and safe way. I'll tell you, the feedback I receive from the families I work with is that they see a huge improvement in their baby's sleep, their own confidence level to meet their baby's needs is higher, and even baby's feedings and overall pleasant behavior improve. How awesome is that? So, in light of everything we know about attachment, namely secure attachment, which again is what we should all be striving for, let's remember this. You cannot spoil a baby. How come? Because just as we went over today, all your baby needs is you. You are their safety net. You're where they can find solace and learn how to stabilize their emotions. You are home base where they can reconnect and reset. All right, one more time for the people in the back. What are the things we need in place to help us create and foster secure attachment with baby? We need to meet their basic needs. We're talking things like feeding, sleep, safety, and love, and we need to do so in a timely fashion. But remember, not necessarily instantaneous. And we need to continue to learn and meet their needs as they grow so that we can respond in a kind and loving way and will continue to witness their bravery as they grow into adulthood. And now it's time for our mental health minute. I want to talk about something really important that was kind of threaded throughout today's show. Honestly, whether you have one baby on your hands or several, the demands of life and parenthood is constantly evolving, but it's pretty consistently busy for most of us. We can't be expected to be all things at all times to everyone. No one is expecting you to be superhuman and catch every cue and have the ideal response every single time. And sometimes creating and fostering secure attachment with your baby feels challenging and maybe even impossible. Sometimes mental health issues like postpartum depression or anxiety, which can occur any time after baby is born, but most commonly during their first year, might prevent someone from feeling anything but the ideal parent for their child. But listen, we are definitely not looking for perfection here. Who doesn't make mistakes? We are human. But sometimes I don't think we realize that other people are also going through this. And mom guilt is a real thing. So we put this pressure on ourselves to do everything right And well, if you have a baby, you know that things hardly ever go exactly as planned. But sometimes this stuff can go deeper, and it's something that needs attention. More of your attention and more of your healthcare provider's attention. It's important to be honest with yourself and others, and to reach out for help if you need it. Talking to a partner or loving family member and your doctor are great places to start. Remember, it takes a lot to break attachment, 
whether you're having to be away from your baby for a short time or you're having an off day, you're needing to give your baby a bottle or decide to sleep train, these won't break it and you've got everything it takes to foster it. Looking for more? Check out birthbabysleep.ca where you'll find new baby resources, prenatal classes, and sleep help during the childhood years. You'll also find me on Facebook and Instagram at birthbabysleep. Don't forget to subscribe and remember to leave a review or a rating so that others can find us. I'm Ashley Cooley and we'll see you back here next time.